everyone. My name is Jean Gallagher, founder of Discover Rising Tides, and welcome to show number 46, Discover Rising Tides, How the Outside Makes the Inside Better, where we explore the importance of the outdoors in maintaining a life balance. Through this series, we will be talking with women business owners to understand their journey. And today, as always, we start with our healthy living, happy life segment with Denise Stegall. Hey, Denise. Hello, hello. Denise is the international best-selling author of Healthy Living, Happy Life, a practical path to finding a healthy lifestyle that works for you and curator at Livy Healthing List. This month's topic is finding a healthy lifestyle that works for you. And our second segment will be our main guest, which is part two for Jana Nixa. She's the authentic sales coach, aka the sales coach with a twist. And but first, Denise, let's get let's get started. All righty. So today, uh, so this month we're talking about how finding a healthy lifestyle that works for you, because it is, you know, there's so many different pieces that um, encompass healthy lifestyle. Um, but what I'd like to, to do today is to kind of look at what that healthy lifestyle looks like from that 30,000 foot perspective. So we can kind of grasp those fundamental principles. Um, and then with that, you know, we can next time kind of drill it down and kind of get to a more uh, ground level, um, real life kind of, what do I do now? But I think it's really important to see what does healthy lifestyle encompass? Because everybody just goes, oh, I know I should eat better. And there's so much more. Yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> the eating part it can be very challenging for people, but that is only one really important component because if you're not doing the other things, it's it's not going to make the complete picture. Right. So obviously balanced nutrition is number one when it comes to living a healthy lifestyle. Whatever else you've got going on, it starts with eating real food. Whole food, um, plant forward uh, diets are the number one um, diet in the world. Like, cause it's not exactly a diet. Mm -hmm. I did some research the other day and was looking at the Mediterranean diet, the inflammation diet, the this diet. And there were like 10 of them that I came across. I stopped looking after 10 that essentially said the same thing whole grains, fruits and veggies, beans and legumes, nuts and seeds. Like pick a diet, give it a name, but it's still all based on the same thing. And again, 30,000 feet. These are the real foods that we should be eating. You know, you can on the ground level kind of pick and choose which one healthy food you're going to eat. But, you know, kind of that, that umbrella of whole foods, um, real food, as I like to call it, mm -hmm. um, they, you know, they, they come in these different categories. Uh, and maybe that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking of at the 30,000 level. These are the categories of real food. Um, uh, so again, obviously nutrition is number one. If you're not eating the right food, you don't feel good. Your body is kind of, um, especially as you get older, it's fighting you, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, whether it's, you know, digestion problems, um, being overweight, diabetes, heart disease, all of those problems stem from people not eating a nutritionally balanced diet. And that really stems also to not having a healthy gut. Yes. Which 
I don't know, you know, 15 or 20, even 10 years ago, people didn't talk about the talk about your gut as the a microbiome, the microbiome. Thank you for the big words <laughs> and making sure that, 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 that system is, is operating correctly. And if you're not feeding it, um, you're not feeding yourselves. I, I love the, I love the food. I'm going to be challenged at the 30,000 foot conversation because I love the food conversation because it's really important. It is. And, you know, we talk about um, your gut, your gut is your second brain essentially. And, and I have, I actually have an ebook that I'll, I'll share um, mm. on um, it's called gut matters um, four ways to optimize your digestion and connect with your second brain to improve your mood um, the way you feel the way you're and the way you think basically. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, you're right up until maybe 15 years ago, we weren't talking about gut health. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what do we do for gut health? This is, this is where the, you know, kind of the nitty gritty comes in. Um, the uh, probiotic type of foods pre and there's pre and probiotic type of foods. Uh, and those are the foods that we need to be eating that fall into the category of real foods. Mm -hmm. Can you, um, can you just expand on something that you mentioned? And I, I think it's worthwhile to talk about, and you mentioned the term plant forward, and there are so many different, you talk about different diets, but there's so many different ways to attack a diet, whether you're a vegan, a vegetarian or a omnivore or a pescatarian, or we like to throw labels on anything, on everything. And so here's another label plant forward, but what does, what does that really mean? Because it, I could answer this or I could ask you because it seems to me like it's, I don't know, right? <laughs> it seems to me like it's touching on all of those different categories of how you personally feel that it's important to eat. So, yeah. So I talk about eating real food and it, your diet being a more plant forward diet. Um, like three quarters of your plate should be a plant should be plant-based that being obviously your fruits and veggies, your whole grains, beans, nuts, and legumes, those kinds of things. And then the last quarter of the plate is the, the, the healthy protein. Now, obviously if you're a vegan, if you decide to go vegetarian, vegan, that's, you know, that's always a personal choice. I don't recommend, um, removing full food groups out of our diets, because I truly believe that each food group has benefits to our body. You know, it just, I know I've tried lots of diets because that's part of my job. Um, I know that I feel best when I have, um, when I have um, animal protein, uh, at least even a small amount of animal protein in my diet. Again, I don't say that you should or shouldn't I don't recommend myself personally when I'm talking with clients. I don't recommend any diet other than when I say plant forward is that 80% of your plate or sorry, 75% of your plate should be plant foods. Mm -hmm. um, it could be a salad. It could be a potato and a piece of broccoli. It could be an orange, um, you know, all of those kinds of things, salad with some nuts on it. Um, and so that's what really what I'm talking about when I, when I talk plant forward is we, we, especially in America, we are kind of animal protein, like crazy. Like you go to a, you go to a, a restaurant and you know, the steak is, you know, it's a 64 ounce steak. 
and I'm like, I can eat about three ounces of a steak. You know, we don't need that much protein in our body because there there's, then there's a challenge of can our body process it. Right. Um, so that, that, that 64 ounces would be overkill. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are obviously recommendations, um, that the government has put in place, um, how much protein, how much this, how much that honestly, it's what makes you feel best. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, talking about portions, well, we'll probably, I don't want to go down into this little rabbit hole, but it's not just the 64 ounce steak that's out of proportion. It's all the proportions that are out of proportion because we want to, well, we're, they didn't feed us very much or, you know, for this $20 meal, I didn't get a very big portion. Well, but did you get enough, right? Our, our, my, our eyes are bigger than our stomachs and our, in our, in the culture says that we should have mounds of food in order to be sufficient. And it's really yeah. not ne necessary. Here we do, we do see in America that um, quality or so, sorry, in, in America, we look at quantity over mm -hmm. quality and that's a challenge um, because if you go, you know, I, I have friends, you know, I love to, I'm a foodie, so I love to go to different restaurants. And when you go to a higher end restaurant, I have so many people who have said to me, oh, I hate going to those restaurants. I always walk out of there hungry. They don't feed you enough. Like you said they're actually giving you the right amount of food. Mm -hmm. You just look at it or we just look at it going, oh, that's a tiny little piece of steak because we're used to seeing this big portion. And so you're right. It's everything when it comes to portion. And, you know, we're a big fan of supersizing it in this, mm -hmm. in this country. I mean, I know there's a, there's a documentary actually called Supersize. Supersize. Um, but what's happened with supersized foods is we now have supersized people. Mm -hmm. And we need to get out of that, um, uh, that uh, epidemic that we have going on here. You know, we talk about our pandemic, but this is an epidemic that is continually um, uh, getting worse and worse is this obesity uh, epidemic. Um, you notice but, that too, when we're looking at, you look at an older movie or you look at pictures that from the seventies and you can, or just general people and public, you can see the difference. And, you know, I think that that this, really goes back to what you're talking about, about finding a healthy lifestyle that works for you, because I think we've lost that, that thought process of what's best for me and what do I really need versus what do, what, what do listening to every, all of the commercials and everything coming in, if we listen to everything that's being told to us, we would be taking 900 prescriptions for what we don't know what the hell it's for. Mm -hmm. And we would be eating too much, which we really are. We already are because the, the recommendation is 2000 calories. Everybody should be eating at least 2000 calories and men, maybe more. Well, if I ate 2000 calories a day, I would be in trouble. I would be really adding to that um, statistic of obesity. Mm -hmm. I'm five foot tall. I do not need 2000 calories when even with the amount that I exercise and were and move my, my calories, I only need about 1500 calories to, to maintain my weight. Mm -hmm. If I'm eating 2000 calories on a regular basis, I'm just going to gain weight. Mm -hmm. And that 2000, like you said, isn't right for everybody. And what's really interesting is my daughter's a nutrition coach and I've watched her coaching <laughs> I've watched her coaching through different in a CrossFit environment. And so she's coaching people that are athletic 
and muscle building athletics and that muscle building piece. And I think that this is maybe one place that needs to be added, not that everybody needs to go to CrossFit, but one thing that needs to be added in is we need to not just feed our bodies, but we have to make sure that we have bodies to feed and the muscle versus fat. It's really important to stay strong as we get older. Right. And that's, let's just go into that. We talk about regular physical activity and I'm not just talking exercise. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about moving. Um, I know today I've had three conversations on zoom. So I've literally been sitting in my chair for three hours. I'm already physically getting antsy. Like I got to move around because my body is so used to moving. I guess that's why I do this a lot with my hands. Cause it makes, it makes me feel like I'm moving. <laughs> well, that's but, good for me because maybe that's my reason. I don't know. <laughs> Cause my hands movement. are done. Think about it. You know, you go yeah. to the gym. Oh, I go to the, I hear this all the time. Oh, I go to the gym for an hour every day, you know, three days a week. What about the rest of the time? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Are you sitting? Are, are, I mean, are you walking? Are you biking? Mm-hmm. Are you, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. driving a car. Most of us do. I mean, when I was a little girl, not too little, we used to walk from my house to the Seven Eleven because, you know, on a regular basis, um, you know, whether we wanted to get a Slurpee or an ice cream or whatever it was, we would walk there. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. when we would get the Slurpee, it was this big. And not, not 36 ounces. No, no. And, you know, so just as a child, you know, little kids, we used to move around. We used to go outside and play and ride our bikes. I love riding my bike, Fred. <laughs> uh, sorry, Dean. I love riding my bike. And that's something that I just, I've been doing since I was a kid. Challenges now, of course, the kids don't see mom and dad doing it. Mm-hmm. So the kids are like, well, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go play my video games. So we're actually creating, you know, like raising a gener- a new generation or generations as I'm getting, as I'm getting older of kids that don't move. Or um, the parents aren't comfortable with the kids going outside by themselves. Mm-hmm. And so if, if there, there's no adult supervision, the kids are not, you know, the kids are not, not in most urban environments are not left alone to their own vices outdoors, which it used to be right. Go play. when, when, yeah, when the streetlights come on, it's time to come in for dinner. That's mm-hmm. the, you know, that's what summer used to be like. Right. I agree. Uh, and I think there are still places in mm-hmm. the U S that, that are like that. I mean, I live in a really, you know, kind of almost, you know, too quaint of a, of a, of a neighborhood Well, yeah, we do see the kids kind of playing around. Um, so there are pockets of that still. Mm-hmm. Um, the other on the flip side though, and, you know, kind of talking about kids and, and movement, we have the kids that aren't moving and the parents, then we have the kids that are, you know, in soccer or in hockey or in basketball, whatever the sport is, and as starting at a young age, and these kids are actually struggling because they're either struggling. Some of them are struggling from, um, body image, mm-hmm. um, specifically dancers and gymnasts. Um, we've always had that, but people are now, I mean, kids are in these things from the time they're really young because they're not playing outside. But what we're finding is those kids actually have overuse injuries at a really young age. So, you know, like I, you know, we talk about before with food is, you know, there's all these different types of foods. Um, same thing with movement. We can't be doing the same thing over and over and over again. Um, I mean, I have an elliptical machine in my house and I can get into the elliptical mode where every day I'm on the elliptical for 30 minutes. That's good for my heart, 
but it's not really good for my muscles or my bones. Mm -hmm. And the other piece that comes into play too are the kids that are overcommitted or doing these extracurricular activities and they're coming home to a, to a household that does not eat whole foods. And yeah. so now they're putting out a ton of energy. Their brain needs real food in order to develop. And they're not, they're not feeding their brain and they're not feeding their body correctly. And they're over exertion based upon calories in, cal you know, energy yes. versus calories in, and, and they're missing some marks. Right. And what else is, what else is contributing there? Hydration. Are, what are they drinking? Mm -hmm. it, it, it always amazes me how many kids are walking around with bottles of Gatorade. <sighs> that stuff is just, I mean, it's a big sugar bomb. Yes. Um, and the same thing with energy drinks. They're not hydrating. No, they're not. I mean, water hydrates, mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously tea and coffee, they're all made of water. Um, so you're getting hydration though, both coffee and tea, um, have caffeine, which is a diuretic. So it kind of, uh, works the opposite way too. Mm -hmm. Um, but they're not, they're not being hydrated properly. And none of us are, mm -hmm. um, I see it all the time, you know, people walking around. Yes. You see plenty of people walking around with water bottles, but then I also see people still walking around with the, the sodas and, um, the, you know, the sugary drinks, juices, all of those things. So hydration, that's another piece, you know, um, 30,000 feet. How are we hydrating our bodies? Um, water, juice. Fruits and vegetables. Look at that. Fruits and vegetables are vegetables. Vegetables are hydrating. Mm -hmm. um, and so, of course, all of these things comes to causes two two things. Two things that we see from all of what we've been talking about: stress, mm -hmm. which increases our mental and emotional challenges, mm -hmm. all stress related. So, whether you're fourteen or forty or fifty-two. <laughs> or more <laughs> or more all of these things that we're talking about this 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 healthy lifestyle that works for you all of these components are important mm -hmm. and we just have to figure out and we'll talk about that more um, next time what are the what are what let's get into the nitty-gritty next time but yeah all of these pieces are so important to be aware of somehow we we, we think of um healthy lifestyle again it's just the one thing it's food. Oh yeah. I, I should join a gym. It's more than that. So to organize the 30,000 foot view thought process, right? So some of the categories, because I think categories are appropriate at this level. So the categories that we're looking at are real foods. Yes. Movement, movement, proper exercise, sleep. We didn't talk about sleep. Sleep, sleep is a huge one. Mm -hmm. Um, let's see, this is another one that's important. Um, stress, stress, mental, physical, emotional mm -hmm. stress, mm -hmm. um, uh, um, getting your, your checkups to know where you are. Mm -hmm. Work-life balance. Not that it's ever going to be this way. It's mm -hmm. never going to be completely balanced, but you need to be able to set up, um, boundaries. This is work this is home. They can't cross all the time. hundred percent of the time. Does that work? Of course not. No, but, but you have you to have recognize to have... the signals that shows that you're headed in the wrong direction. Yep, exactly. Mm -hmm. And of course, all of these things increase stress, increase, you know, our cortisol levels. Mm -hmm. um, we have challenges in, you know, emotional, mental 
problem challenges because of all these things. But there's one piece that I think we always forget about. And this is to continually to be learning and growing. Mm. That is an essential part of a healthy lifestyle. Think about it. Are you the same person as you were 10 years ago, 20 years ago? No, one, because you, when you're older, right? You've experienced more things. You've learned something new. I meet so many people that when I ask them what their goals are, you know, oh, I'm just waiting to retire. That's great. What are you, you know, when it comes to learning something new, oh, I don't need to do that. I, 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 I went to school. I went to college. I went to law school. I went to this. I've learned enough. And then when they retire, they have no hobbies and they have nothing to do. Bingo. And they're bored out of their mind. Mm-hmm. And they're sitting one. around doing nothing. And they sit around doing nothing and their emotional state is, is starts to get affected. Their physical state is effective. And it's, you know, there's research that shows that people who don't have those things to do, they also, um, they stop getting uh, their connections with people. Mm-hmm. They lose those. And those people tend to die younger than they would had they had those connections uh, and that um, those things that they were doing that that was purposeful relationships and interactions absolutely one of the you know when starbucks one of their in the beginning when they started to get really big here they were emulating emulating the european coffee experience right creating a place for community and um I think it's that that place for community is where we really need to be able to have that. That's the interaction that you're talking about. So I'm really excited about digging in. And I think that between the two of us, we could do this for hours, but next time we're going to take, we're going to take the plane down a little bit and yep. look we'll at land the plane. Yeah. We're going to land this plane too, but we have to uh, look at some of the, break it down a little bit more for people as well. Absolutely. I'm excited. Well, thank you. Thanks so much and look forward to the next conversation and more details. So today I'm excited to welcome Melinda Keto. Hi, Melinda. Hi. How are you? I'm good. It's great to be here. Oh, I'm so excited for this. And so I'm just going to read a little bit of your bio and then we'll get going. So as an online business and messaging strategist, Melinda works with coaches, course creators and online service providers who know that their work is amazing, but struggle to find the right words to talk about what they do in a way that makes their potential clients want it. Uh, Mel lives in a beach called Walla. Can you say it? I can't do it. (laughs) I live by the beach in Wollongong, Australia. You with her husband, two young boys and their Cocker Spaniel Barkley. Uh, When she's not weaving magic with words or juggling all the balls of business and motherhood, she loves nothing more than a night with the girls, a glass of red in her hand and a cheese board in her fingertips. And I could do that right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's nearly time for that on your side of the world. It is, it is. And and you better not do that now for you. So thanks so much. And thanks so much for being here. And I want to, before we start, thank Paula Adler. She was a guest on the show for connecting us. I love connections and networking. And so tell us a little bit about your business. And I really want to understand what a messaging strategist is and what you do um, and how you got here. 
I mean, I don't really understand it myself, but I'll give it a go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I work with businesses who uh, are trying to promote themselves online and they, they're often coaches or maybe they've created a course or they might offer some kind of uh, service online. And the, the thing about the people I work with is that they are brilliant at what they do. Like they're an amazing coach or they provide an incredible service. But when it comes to talking about what they do, they just don't know how to put it into words. Mm. They don't know how to articulate exactly what they do or just how powerful it is or, or what kind of transformation they can provide for their clients in a way that, that people get mm. and more importantly, in a way that people want. So I just basically work with words and just help people to find the right words that catch the attention of the people that they're trying to reach and make them realize like, oh my God, that's exactly what I need. Like we, we need to talk. I need to work with you. So yeah, I, I weave a bit of magic with words and, and help people communicate uh, the value of what they offer in a much more powerful way. I watched some of your YouTube videos and what really struck me is they're real. And that's so important. Yeah. And isn't it funny that 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 strikes you. <laughs> I know isn't that's it, the problem. That maybe that's part of the problem with the socials and everything else because nothing is real anymore. And I really, I really, it's funny <laughs> that I put that in a sentence. But I thought this is genuine. Yeah. And and if that's what you're helping people do, it's brilliant. Yeah. And look, to be honest, I think I'm that authenticity is something that's always really important to me. But. I, yeah, I think when we are trying to promote ourselves online, it's very easy to kind of slip into this performative mode where we're like, mm. you know, I've got, got to be this type of personality or I've got to, um, you know, look this uh, professional in this way or whatever persona you feel like you need to bring across. Mm-hmm. And that actually can be a bit of a challenge in my work because, you know, when, when we're first helping somebody discover their messaging, we might sort of use some formulas or some templates to try to, you know, fill in the blanks of, of what they're trying to say. And sometimes when people start working with me, their natural instinct is to suddenly become even more stiff in their mm. communication and try to be more perfect or more polished. So one of my big challenges for a coach, uh, you know, somebody might send through a sales page or an email that they've written. I'm like, but where are you in this? Like, this doesn't sound like your voice. So yeah, what, what we try to do is understand what are the ingredients of your messaging that we need to communicate to, to make that connection and to help people realize, you know, what it is that you do and why they would want to buy it. But then how do we merge that with your personality and your natural voice so that you feel like yourself when you're expressing Mm. that message rather than slipping into that robotic mode or or trying to be someone that you're not? So um, I'm glad that comes through. (laughs) (laughs) And is, is that hard for people to grasp or understand? Or do you think that there's a little bit of relief when you tell them? Um, You know, the... The relief comes from help when people realize actually how simple it is, mm. because, you know, often when we're trying to talk about what we do, we, we go, oh, I've got to, I've got to create some kind of really amazing explanation. Like um, I synthesize energetic forces to, um, you know, permeate through to your soul's natural rate. Like people come up with these really fancy ways of talking about what they do. And often my 
assistance to them is like, yeah, okay, but what does that what does that mean when you say put the that? thesaurus away? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like just so so talk to me like I'm an idiot. What does that actually mean? And they go, oh well, basically, I just help people really connect with what matters to them and 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 who they want to be in this world. I'm like, okay, so why don't you just say that? Mm, that's like, fantastic. So the relief is often from like you can just say it in in the way that you would say it when you are sitting across the cheese board from your one of your girlfriends with a glass of red in your hand you wouldn't put all those fancy words in there so why are we trying to well we're trying to impress our potential clients but actually all we're doing is alienating them because they don't know what the hell you're talking about mm-hmm. like it just and doesn't you're make looking sense. like everybody else in the field Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I, I literally just opened a, an email this morning from a, a, a new email list that I'd uh, signed up to. And this is from a very successful uh, female entrepreneur. And I opened the email. I'm like, that is such a template. Like I can see where you filled in the blanks of, you know, welcome email A from whoever's whoever's template book. And it's, it's just, it fascinates me how we we feel like we have to slot ourselves into these formulas that have been, uh, you know, duplicated over time in the online business world. And often it just comes back to, yeah, but what's on your heart? What do you mm. really want to communicate? What's important to you? And equally as important, what's important to the people that you want to, you want to reach? Like, what do they need to hear today? Mm. Like they That's- don't need to hear this polished version of you. They need to hear your story and what's happened and 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 how you've arrived here and, and all those kinds of things. And, and then they need to be able to see that connection between what you've been able to accomplish and what might be possible for them as well. What's really interesting. So for me is I'm a financial advisor. And so mm-hmm. in this world of craziness that I'm in, right? So mm-hmm. the persona is the fancy marble desk, the three-piece suit, and usually mm-hmm. a guy. Yeah. So, so I, I was probably in this career for maybe six or seven years. And I said, you know, this isn't for me because I don't want to be any of that. Mm. I, I, it doesn't feel right. So I had to make a decision of how I show up, not just for me, but like you're saying how I show up for other people, because what's interesting is I want them to see me. And when I'm on the job, if you will, or I'm having a conversation with them the same way they're going to see me if I'm walking down the street Mm. they're not two different people Mm. and quite often the persona that we're trying to look like in these marketing campaigns has no similarity to who you are on a Saturday afternoon Mm. yeah and look that's it's not to say that there isn't value in in having a bit of a, a persona or mm-hmm. or like because sometimes we you know if you think of Beyonce like she's got to access her Sasha Fierce to kind of have the confidence to to achieve what she's achieved in her life so sometimes we do need to tap into you know that slightly bigger version of ourselves mm-hmm. to be able to take it up a notch that. a little yeah <laughs> you know so maybe not Saturday afternoon because maybe <laughs> maybe that's a bad example but <laughs> yeah so I, I guess but what I've just noticed time and time again is that's often the first compliment that I get from people is oh you just seem so real or mm-hmm. like when I'm providing training or doing a YouTube video like I just try to just talk as though we're having a normal conversation because that's exactly what we're doing and and I think what 
I, when you are building a business online, there is an aspect of being aspirational and, you know, being somebody that your clients can look up to and aspire to want to be like. Um, but I think there also is a fine line between being aspirational and being, I was about to use the word accessible, and I'm not mm. sure if that's the right word, but approachable. Yeah, maybe it's more relatable. Like mm. people need to be able to, like if if you are putting yourself so high up on this pedestal that I'm untouchable, I don't make any mistakes, and I'm so I'm I'm so perfect because I feel like I need to appear that way for mm. anyone to take me seriously or for anyone to feel like I'm a safe person to invest their money in. Mm-hmm. But if you if you can kind of meet in the middle where like, look, I I have been able to achieve things and I have got myself to a position where you might aspire to, to get to, but geez, I made a whole lot of mistakes along the way. And Mm -hmm. like, I still just stuffed this thing up last week that uh, I guess fallibility helps people to realize like, Oh, you know, she's not perfect. And maybe if somebody like her was able to get there, then maybe I can too. Like Mm -hmm. you're, you're actually allowing them to see their future in you like Mm. that um that maybe what you've been able to achieve is possible for me because you're not perfect and I'm not perfect so yeah just we don't we don't want to create that kind of disconnect from our people where they don't actually feel like they could ever make it to where we've made it do you find that the transition of getting people comfortable to producing work that's more relatable is difficult for them in the beginning to... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I had this conversation with a client recently uh, who he submitted a, an email sequence for me to look at and he had said, oh, look, there's a, a, quite a vulnerable share in one of these emails. And he was telling this a story from his childhood. And when I read the email, I was like, oh, like that's a really sweet story and, you know, good lesson that you've you've tied into this, this business lesson. Um, but he was like really, um, really concerned about sharing this story and he felt really exposed and really vulnerable. And I, I kind of pointed out, it's so interesting that you feel so guarded about this particular story because when I read it, I'm not reading into it all of the emotion and the attachments mm. that that you have felt when you're writing it. And so I think often for people, the things that we feel so, um, you know, protective of or like maybe ashamed of or, um, you know, the, the cards that we've held really close to our chest, they're not ever a big deal for most people. Well, most re- people don't know the baggage behind it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So for, yeah, it is very difficult for people to, to go there um, and, and to think about, you know, some of the stories that have shaped them or, or whatever the case may be, because it does feel very exposing to them. And yeah, it can be that challenge to, to, to tap into that kind of content, but that's exactly what makes you relatable or makes you human or allows people to see through the veneer of, uh, and I help people to achieve these kind of strategic business results, like, and just see the human that, that, you know, you're, you're encouraging them to connect with. Hmm. What types of professionals or, or do you normally work with? What types of, is it a certain business niche that you seem to attract towards? Um, look, the, the majority of people who uh, end up finding me 
work in coaching in some capacity. So mm-hmm. I have a few life coaches. Um, I've got a few career uh, coaches. Um, I have also worked with more professional service businesses, like um, people who provide online training and, um, you know, so people who are working into corporate organizations. Es- essentially, I, I really do try to stick with service-based businesses because that's where I um, I like to, <laughs> to make the connections. Um, so, yeah, but we, we might have somebody who's a virtual assistant trying to, to grow their business online and, and connect with more clients, or we might have somebody who, um, you know, is a, is a copywriter themselves. And, you know, it's the, the old, old story of the, what's the, the, the shoemaker and his shoes or whatever it is where, you know, a, there are people who are really good at helping their clients, but not so good at, at working. Carpenter's house is never finished. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's really anybody like I, I I like to work in the space of other people who are trying to grow online so mm-hmm. connecting and finding their audience um, online as opposed to brick and mortar businesses but it can really vary for people who are you know providing more of that transformational type service or people who are doing done for you services like virtual assistants or copywriters. And so let's talk about the writing piece we talked to we've talked Thank you so much for listening today. Today's show is sponsored by Seaside Solutions, my financial services company. As a business owner, it's easy to be pulled in many different directions and often taking care of yourself plummets to the bottom of the list. For me, I find myself outside to reground. My time outdoors helps me manage my day more effectively and be more present for my clients. Through this, Discover Rising Tides was born. At Seaside Solutions, we truly believe that education is the foundation of financial wellness. Our primary focus is to provide guidance that is designed to help you achieve your long-term financial goals and visions. Working with a plan allows space for doing more things that you love, like being outside to make the inside better. If I can help you create or realign your plan, or if you would like to be added to my weekly newsletter, please let me know. This week's topic was five ways to set more achievable goals. Your referral means the big, beautiful world to me. And if I can help, please let me know. And thank you so much for listening and see you next time.